Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Today's episode of SFF yeah is sponsored by the audiobook edition of Gods and Dragons by Kevin J. Anderson. Co-author of the Dune sequels, Kevin J. Anderson's Wake the Dragon series marks his triumphant return to epic fantasy, featuring a politically charged adventure of swords and sorcery, vengeance, and the awakening of sleeping giants. Generations of hatred and brutal war between two nations must be set aside when an even greater threat looms, the reawakening of a powerful ancient race that wants to remake the world. In Gods and Dragons, the final book of the Wake the Dragon series, humanity fights for survival in an immersive story full of magic, politics, intrigue, and dragons. Narrated by Audiophile Earphones Award winner Fleet Cooper, Gods and Dragons is an electric conclusion to an epic adventure. Welcome to SFF Yeah, a podcast dedicated to all things science fiction and fantasy. This is episode 121. And we're recording on January 21st. I'm Sharifa Williams, and I'm here with Jen Northington. And we are coming to you from Book Riot. And today, we're looking back in time at 2021 and looking at the year in review. And this is the stats show, Jen's favorite thing in the whole wide world. <laughs> it is. I love a spreadsheet, as everybody knows. And we were trying to decide what to do for this episode. And I was like, well... Amanda and I have a good time over on Get Booked looking back at our stats, and we've never done that on SFF Yeah, even though I do keep a spreadsheet for the show because, of course, I do. (laughs) So I'm excited. I also just want to note the triplet Mm of 21s in today. It's episode 121. We're recording on January 21, and we're looking at 2021. And I just feel like that... (laughs) I don't know what it means, but it it must mean something. It's some kind of omen, hopefully a good one. That's what I was going to say. I was like, let's not make it an ominous omen, but a good one, because we're trying to start the year off right by doing the reflecting thing. So I think I can believe in it being a good omen. Yeah. The stars have aligned is is what we're saying. The stats have aligned. The stats have aligned. (laughs) I'm a nerd. It's fine. It's fine. All right, let's. <laughs> I'm glad you do. <laughs> um, all right, okay. So before we get into our news, before we get into the stats, we'll get into the news. But before we get into the news, let us hear from a sponsor, which is the Sapiens novella series from Jumper and Company, written by Alex Hackett. There is something unusual about Sapiens University. It's a dark, isolated castle that has stood empty for years. It's surrounded by undead creatures left behind from a magical war. 
And when everyone returns to Sapiens for the winter semester, some students seem eerily different. They continue their magical studies unaware that enemies walk among them. But it won't be long until the enemy strikes and sends the school back into chaos. This has a lot of things that I know a lot of y'all are interested in. Obviously, it's a magical school story. Always a good time. It's also Mm -hmm. set in 1948. So this is historical fantasy, which is another fun thing. It's got some necromancy in it. It's got, you know, fairies and werewolves and gnomes and giants and professors and mermaids and elves and just like all of the magical things stuffed into it in a historical setting at a magical school. Like that's a lot of things I think that we are all interested in. So that, again, is a novella series. Also nice to have something short to jump into. Uh, The Sapiens novella series by Alex Hackett from Jumper and Company. So, yeah, check it out. All right. Well, I wanted to kick us off with a news story that gave me a lot of happiness Mm. and joy and laughter (laughs) once I actually understood (laughs) what was happening. (laughs) So I talked about Iron Widow on a past show by Ziran J. Zhao. And then came this story that we reported on Book Riot about Siron signing a book that they sat on and raising money for it, for charity, rather. And at first, I I mentioned this, like, in our, our staff Slack, that when I saw the headline, just, you know, in passing, I thought that when it said Siron sat on a book, I thought, they were just like holding on to a specific copy of a book. Like I didn't realize it meant <laughs> literally. So Siren made a, a throne of Iron Widow copies and took a picture where they sat on the throne. <laughs> and then because this is this is what fandom can sometimes look like, <laughs> got a bunch of requests for the book they sat on to be sold like people wanted to own the book Ziran sat on (laughs) which is like (laughs) what so at first there was a very like what in the world moment Mm -hmm. and then they decided this is a good opportunity to raise some money for charity and to do something good So there was an auction for this book, and the money was supposed to... So Ziran said it would either go to a charity for the the National Cervical Cancer Coalition is the charity they were proposing the money goes to, or it could be a charity of the winner's choosing. So it went up on eBay. There was a little bit of a glitch for a moment where eBay... Um, lock their account and I I don't know why it doesn't really go into it in either our story or elsewhere but apparently that all got resolved and then I clicked on the link because we reported on the story before the auction had ended and I was Mm -hmm. just like oh you know more than a thousand dollars what 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 did it sell for and the total is three thousand and ninety dollars amazing 
$3,090, which is totally wild and wonderful. And I just, I don't know, I, I'm always looking for stories that'll, you know, give me a little moment of brightness. Mm. And just because I know Ziran Zhao is just a delightful author in general and a delightful person who wore a cow suit for their author photo. <laughs> I was like, this has got to be a great story. And lo yeah. and behold, it was. It's just my favorite of the week. Yeah, sometimes the internet brings us delightful things. And this is yeah. definitely one of them. <laughs> I love everything about this. I love it all. It's great. <laughs> So, it's so fun. One day my library hold on this book is going to come in. It's like a thousand weeks long, the hold on this book. I just like I one day. Imagine. One day I'll Ugh. get to read it. Everybody's so obsessed with it. I look forward to that day. I wish I could pass my audiobook copy on to you somehow. <laughs> that would be doubly useless considering that A, there's no easy way to do that, and B, I don't listen to audio. That's right. <laughs> Strike that. So funny. Oh, well, it's okay. It's fine. Um, yes, totally delightful. Thank you for kicking us off on such a happy note. Another <laughs> happy note. Let's talk about the Philip K. Dick Award nominees. It's always nice yeah. to celebrate award nominees. So these just got announced in the past week or so. And there are some names that I am familiar with and a bunch that I'm not, actually. Yeah. Um, this is for distinguished science fiction published in paperback original form in the U.S. during the previous calendar year, which I don't think I've ever actually checked to see what specifically the criteria for the Philip K. Dick Award is. I don't think I realized it was paperback original. So that's kind of cool. I didn't. Yeah, yeah that's nice. Uh, so let's see. Uh, your favorite, Nino Chipri, is on here for Yay! Defect, which I haven't read. I haven't read, read that. No, no. Yeah. And let's see. Plague Birds by Jason Sanford, which I have heard of but have not read. Uh, Bug by Giacomo Sartori, which I definitely... I know Restless Books. They're a small press, so this is going to make me look that up. Far From the Light of Heaven by Tade Thompson, which I love. Awesome. It's so good. It's so good, y'all. <laughs> it's so different from Rosewater, too. Like, it is a whole new reading experience from Thompson. Uh, let's see. Other nominees include The Escapement by Lavi Tidar, whose name I'm familiar with, but I haven't read this one. And Dead Space mm -hmm. by Callie Wallace also have not read or know much about. So now I have some paperback originals to look into. Should be fun. Uh, yeah. The award will be announced in April, so I'll be sitting over here rooting everyone on. Are there? Are there? Have you read any of these? I haven't. I still haven't read Far From the Light of Heaven. Oh, so oh, good. Because I'm a bad person. No, but you're I'm not really a bad person. You're just, I, <laughs> you're just reading other things. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I, I do agree that Tati Thompson is such a versatile writer that yes. I'm just really excited about exploring a completely new story. And I really want to read Defect because I love Finna so much by mm. Nino Chipri and... I'm really excited to see those two on the list. I am also familiar with the rest of them, but it's also cool to see a work in translation. Yeah. Um, Bug was the one that was in translation from that small press you mentioned, Restless mm -hmm. Book. So I always love to see that. I'm definitely making a concerted effort this year to read more works in translation. So I love to see them come across my table. Nice, nice. 
Yeah, so congratulations to them. And I'm going to move us into this story. It's quite a big story from uh, Publishers Weekly, reported on by Rob Selkowitz. And this is about, I don't know how many people know about heavy metal, which is a very, I guess, vintage um, (laughs) SFF magazine. It started, it first appeared in 1977. And it was a very specific type of SFF magazine. It was explicitly for adults. And mm. it had, like, a lot of erotica in it. There were some illustrations. Some of the illustrators that I became familiar with early in my life were heavy metal illustrators. And so the story is about heavy metal trying to make a comeback. So it's been a long time since the magazine was in publication. And it started out as a very like Eurocentric SFF magazine. And the thing that I think is important to note here, and that I remember about this magazine is that it was very, um, it was very targeted to a male audience. Mm. And you know, it was a product of its time, so it did not have a lot of... It was not an inclusive magazine, I'd say. Um, mm. And it was a lot of, like, old-school, you know, busty women-style <laughs> illustration stuff. Like, what you would imagine, like, yeah. a heavy metal album cover to look like, except mm. make it SFF. That's what, that's the vibe it gave. So it kind of faded from the public eye and, and went out of publication for a while. And then of course, they, they tried to make their comeback right before the pandemic hit. Mm. And we all know what happened to the supply chain and everything else. So it did not work out. Things didn't work out as planned. They lost some money, but they're still trying to go for it in a, in a sort of different way. So they're publishing some stories. They're trying to make a comeback with the magazine itself. They're also publishing books now through an imprint. And they have some serialized stories uh, currently being published. So there's a story called Darkwing, which is um, written by... I only see the last name Medney because I'm scrolling down this article. Mm, but there's also mm. Swamp God by Ron Martz and and Armitano. There are a bunch of stories. And I'm the thing that I'm noticing is that it sounds like it's still very male-dominated. Sure I'm not does. 100%. Yeah. I don't know a lot of these authors. Like, their names don't they aren't familiar to me so I don't want to make a lot of assumptions but it's it feels very male dominated and the thing I wanted to say about heavy metal magazine coming out is that I'm hoping I think that there is room for an adult SFF magazine but Mm. I'm really my hope is that Heavy Metal takes a look at the types of stories it chooses to publish and the types of writers and illustrators it wants to work with and really thinks about inclusivity and not just sticking to the old formula Mm -hmm. to see if it can pull in the same audience. Because SFF, 
the audience is so diverse. It's so big. There are so many really interesting stories being published by so many different people around the world. And I, I'm keeping my fingers crossed. I, I don't know what to expect. Mm. My experience with heavy metal was very much like as a child, I watched inappropriately heavy metal. (laughs) How do I say this? I watched heavy metal, the movie, Mm. which was an animated anthology film that was um, released in 1981 before I was born, but I I watched it on TV uh, and it was very uh, inappropriate and all the things, (laughs) but, but, you know, like, I remember it from that time and I remember seeing it on the magazine stands and sometimes flipping through it, you know, when my dad's back was turned. Mm. And I'm just like, I want something like this, but I want it to be different is the thesis of my (laughs) soliloquy. (laughs) Well, that's that's all really interesting, Shrifa, because I I was the one who dropped this in here because I was like, "Uh, I don't know what this is, but it looks interesting. And so I'm so glad that you know about it and could fill us all in on the history for those like me who aren't aware. And, you know, I think it's so interesting because also just literally the heavy metal music genre is you know, full of folks of color. Like, I remember actually yeah. talking to Wabgeshek Rice about heavy metal music and, like, how much he loved it growing up. And, like, there's a great book actually called, ooh, I read it years ago. I think it's called What Are You Doing Here? I'll find the exact title and drop it in the show notes about a young black woman and her experience being in like heavy metal and what it was like to go to a show, for example, and how people responded to her. And so like we know that there are, you know, and and uh, as you said, sci-fi fantasy, totally so many fans who would be at mm-hmm. the at the heart of the Venn diagram of this this interest intersection here. So and I totally agree. I do think there is room for a more adult by which we mean like sexy times. I think we, yes. uh, <laughs> you know, SFFF uh, anthology. And there's so much great short fiction being published. A lot of it already is in this direction. So clearly people are writing it and making it. But who do they choose to put inside their covers and, and do their art? And what do they choose to represent? Obviously are big open questions. So yeah, I guess we'll see. I guess we'll see. Yeah, I might keep an eye on like the names of the authors they work with. And if I see some good ones, I'm definitely going to pick up a copy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, I just have two quick ones to close us out. Uh, The first is a little bit of follow up from our previous episode. We were talking about the Hugo Awards and how neither of us had realized that Helicopter Story by Isabel Fall was nominated, and I went poking around Mm. to try to find more information about that because that story is very famously controversial, and I actually couldn't find anything more than the piece that I had already linked to, the great piece on Vox, um, about it. So I'm just going to relink to that. It's got a mention of the Hugo Award nomination and the fact that they republished this under a new name um, so that it could be nominated. But I couldn't find any more details about you know, who spearheaded that? Was there a specific rationale? Like, was it meant to, you know, sort of be like a reparative experience for the author? Like, I don't know. I couldn't find anything. So uh, TBD, if I if I see anything come up, 
I'll drop it in in a future show. Um, and the other note is that the 2022 Hugo nominations are open. Speaking of the Hugos. Yay! And this is your reminder that anyone can nominate for the Hugos. All you have to do is be a member. And I'm leaving a link to the uh, <coughs> File 770 site, which has all of the good stuff in it. Um, it's reported on by Mike Glyer. And it has links to everything that you need to become a member. If I recall correctly, my membership is 50 bucks. I don't attend the convention where they announce these. But for $50, I get to be part of the nominating. And I think it's so important. Like, we are always talking mm -hmm. about how great it is to see how inclusive these awards lists have become. And they are that way because people nominate inclusively. So this is your reminder that you can be a part of that. Do it to it. Do it. I'm excited to see what the <laughs> list is going to look like. Yes, I can't year. wait. It's been such a good, like 2021 for all of its terribleness was a really good year in, <laughs> in sci-fi fantasy. So I look uh, yeah. forward to seeing what that nomination list looks like. All right, well, before we get into our stats, I'm going to tell you about our next sponsor, which is Mira Books and Light Years from Home by Mike Chen. Fifteen years ago, on a family camping trip, Evie and Cass's father and brother vanished. Their dad turned up days later dehydrated and confused and convinced he'd been abducted by aliens. But Jacob remained missing. Now, Jacob is back and talking about an intergalactic war. The entire family will have to come together to help Jacob because FBI is after him. And if their brother is telling the truth, possibly an entire space armada, too. Very nerve-wracking. Yeah, right? So... <laughs> This is this book is on sale wherever books are sold, and you can also attend the virtual launch on January 26th at 6 p.m. It'll be hosted by Annalie Newitz, who we are all familiar with, and books will also be on sale by Booksmith. So check out Light Years from Home by Mike Chen. All right, let's talk 2021. Let's do it. So we don't have official rules on this show about repeat <laughs> titles, um, but no. I, I was looking at the titles that we recommended, and I noticed that we really only, the most number of times we recommended anything was three, and there were only yeah. three titles that we recommended three times. So I'm just going to like pause here for like a pat yourself on the back for not doing more yeah. repeats. For real. I was shocked. I really, really thought that there would be a lot more repeats. And when I was I was looking down the list, like, am I making a mistake? Am I not reading the numbers right? No, so yeah. Yeah, we deserve that pat on the back. We do, we do. We did good. We did good. Uh, so let's see. So Chilling Effect by Valerie Valdez, which I am 0% surprised to see yeah, on this list, same. right? It's like a del delightful, funny, rompy, inclusive, enjoyable space opera series. Like, what could be better? And this is the part where I remind us all that... The third book, Fault Tolerance, is coming out in August, and I am so ready. I'm so ready. I'm so ready. <laughs> I think I'm going to have to – I haven't read um, 
I started the second mm, book. Mm-hmm. So I think I'm going to wait until Fault Tolerance comes out and then just – I might even start from the beginning Ooh. again and just like do a whole one to three reread. I love that idea. That's a great idea. It sounds so satisfying. It does sound so satisfying. Highly, highly support this plan. Maybe I'll join you. We'll <laughs> see. We'll see what's happening in August. <laughs> yeah, you never know. You never know. And then Jasmine Throne by Tasha Suri, which we both read. Yeah? I haven't read that you one. You haven't read it. So this was all me. No. I recommended it three times. <laughs> Actually, that's both a of good. These... <laughs> that's a good sign, though. That means that those two books were really, like, they jumped out in your mind. Oh, yeah. Yes. So, so yeah. D- the other two books that were recommended three times each, apparently entirely by me, were Jasmine Throne <laughs> uh, by Tasha Suri and The Inheritance of Orchidea Divina by Zoraida Cordova, which, yeah, I, I mean, I was obsessed with both of those books all of last year. They were so good. Very different, too, right? One is like this like epic yeah. fantasy sort of secondary world, you know, queens and priests and magic and all of that jazz and then inheritance is you know our world magical realism a contemporary family family history family secrets Ugh, they, but they were just both so freaking good like if those aren't on awards lists i will throw some things throw I, will, I, will throw, <laughs> I will write a sternly worded letter <laughs> to the universe like they're so good they're just so good well, I, you know, The Inheritance of Orchidea Divina was on my list from the beginning because of the way you specifically described Aww. it. And it just hit all of the, all of my little wheelhouse bits. So I can't wait to read that one. And now Jasmine Throne has to be at the top because it was recommended <laughs> a few times as well. But I will say that I have, I do the thing where I just assume I've recommended something a bunch of times. Mm. Like, I won't always control F to look it up. I'll just be like, it feels like I've talked endlessly about this book. And I think I've just tricked myself into not recommending things a lot. (laughs) And, you know... Maybe this year I'm just going to end up recommending things more than once. Well, I mean, on the other hand, obviously... A, a diversity of titles is better, yeah. right? We wouldn't want to be recommending the same things all the time. But Abs- three yeah. three times over the course of one year feels okay to me. Like, that feels reasonable. I wouldn't want to do more than that, I guess. But That feels totally reasonable. In a whole year? <laughs> right, yeah. in a whole year. 365 days. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> so the next thing I did uh, was I went into our podcast back end and I checked to see which were the most popular, like the most downloaded episodes of this show, uh, the top five. And this was so interesting, Sharifa, because yeah. I could not believe that a backlist <laughs> to the future was number one. That is wild. I <laughs> was shocked into (laughs) silence because I would never, ever have expected that. So it was the Backlist to the Future Under the Radar episode. And that one was recorded by me. And I will admit that I chose that topic because I know it's 
hugely popular mm. among our readers. Like, mm-hmm. I didn't realize people were so jazzed about finding under the radar reads until I just saw that lots of people go to look at those posts specifically. Mm. So I used my editorial <laughs> secrets. <laughs> you found the formula. <laughs> I did, but I still did not think. I was like, okay, maybe this will perform slightly mm. better than some of our other episodes, but I didn't expect it to hit that big. And now I'm just like, I hope that the books I chose resonated <laughs> with people. Like, Because sometimes I'll just be like staring at my bookshelves like, right. uh, which book should I choose? Right, right. So hopefully everybody enjoyed that episode as well as just listen to it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I think it's, you know, it makes sense to me, right? Because it does feel like to a certain degree, especially if you're looking at like Amazon best of or Goodreads best of, you're looking at the same three books over and over and yeah. over again, right? So like under the radar is a nice is a nice way to feel like you're you're getting some insider information, right? Like these are the books you're not yeah. going to hear about. So that's I totally personally identify with being interested in yeah like what are the under the radar titles but it's just so funny to me because yeah backlist to the future doesn't get as many listens as the full length shows which makes perfect sense right like not everybody is interested in the extra titles which is totally fine but for it to beat out our other most popular episodes which are all full episodes mind you no other backlist made the top five which is technically a top six because two episodes are tied for number five. It's just it's just oh, yeah. cool. It's just cool to see. So, yeah, good job on you for using your Thank secret you. knowledge. <laughs> oh, I feel so bashful. <laughs> yeah. And so then the next most popular was Last Fall's Most Anticipated Sci-Fi Fantasy, which mm-hmm. is no surprise. Those, those most anticipated episodes are always in our most popular, which makes perfect sense, right? Y'all want to know, yeah. like, what's coming and what to get excited about yeah and I get really excited to record those episodes Mm -hmm. because it forces me to look ahead and I inevitably get really excited about the books that are coming out yeah yeah so yeah so that was number two and most anticipated standalones of 2021 was number four uh so another most anticipated and you know who doesn't love a standalone right there's so many series to keep up with (sighs) I love a standalone. It's like maybe my favorite thing these days. Standalone Is that right? novellas. <laughs> I yeah. was just going to say, standalone novellas, even better, right? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It's just my fa- It's so satisfying. I don't know what to say. <laughs> yeah. No, it's true. There is something really great about like a complete story told in one go and you were like ah that was that was good that was good although then I'm like oh but a series like I want more time with these creators or this world or whatever so I'm uh I can understand as well I'm just not as good as you at actually (laughs) completing the thing yeah that's fair that's fair it is extra effort certainly to keep up with a series Let's see. And our number three most popular episode was SFF and the Natural World, which is an episode that our uh, one of our podcast editors, Jen Zink, came on for. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about that one, because that I was not there for it. Yeah. So that was an interesting show because you and I had done a climate fiction episode earlier in the year. But I I try to let when you were on vacation and when Jen Zig, who is also uh, has worked on the Skiffy and Fanti podcast for years, both as um, 
a host and as a producer, she is like very well read in sci-fi fantasy. And I was like, well, yes. what what do you want to talk about? Like, tell me what you want to talk about. And so she was really jazzed about some books she'd read recently that were environmental sci-fi fantasy. And I was like, ooh, can we make it different <laughs> than climate fiction? And the way we sort of parsed it is that climate fiction is literally all about climate change, right? Like it's about the yes. impact of any shift in the climate on the human world. And so for SFF and the environment, we kind of broadened it out where the environment plays a specific role, but it's not limited to climate Uh. change. And so that led us in some interesting directions. And it was a really fun show to record. We'll put links to all of these um, in the show notes. But it was a really fun show to record because I love nature and I love nature stories and I love seeing people have unexpected integrations of nature into sci-fi in particular. Like, I feel like plant magic is, like, a thing, right? Like, that's a trope, which I Absolutely. love. I'm here for it. But, like, it's it's known. But when people get environmental with their technology, like, those things don't often mesh. And I so I get really excited whenever I see that combination. It's like the first time I read Saga and they had a spaceship that was a tree and I was like I'm obsessed with yes. this like I'm obsessed with this where is more of this like that's what I want so <laughs> so yeah so so we got into some of that and it was it was it was a really fun show to record and it's cool to see um that that y'all thought it was also interesting to you that was a great way to take it in a different direction because I feel like climate uh fiction can sometimes also be sad and dark and depressing yeah. but yes. the natural world there's like something inspiring about the natural world and mm-hmm. it just already has magic imbued in it right so i think right. that's great it makes sense that that was in the top five yeah yeah yeah, and then the last two shows that were tied for fifth place yeah. were our favorite sci-fi fantasy of 2021 so far, so which would come out last summer, and then the sci-fi fantasy summer reading list, which was a separate thing that we did. <laughs> yeah, the summer reading list was a really fun one, I thought, just because it's, you know, who doesn't like, what book nerd doesn't enjoy a summer reading list? Right, right. Especially when it's self-created. Nobody's yes. assigning it to you. <laughs> yes. That's the best thing. That is the best thing. And summer does feel, I mean, it's so interesting because winter is such like a quote-unquote cozy reading season. But summer yeah. somehow, even when you work like a normal job, I think I've never let go of that feeling of summer as like having more time in it. Um from from school vacations. And so it does feel like summer's like, oh, it's reading time. It's summer. Yeah, I agree. I love summer reading. You know, I love reading every season, but summer reading is just like, I think it's just built into us to anticipate it because of school. Right. It's just That's just how it's been all our lives. Yeah. Yeah. So that's fun. That's fun. So then I, I was like, okay, so we know which episodes our listeners were the most interested in, but which ones were our favorites? Do you want to go first? Sure. So mine are kind of, I just love when we shake things up a little Mm. and, you know, do a little bit of pop culture mixed in with our 
themed book list style mm. uh, episodes. So my two favorites were kind of in the realm of pop culture. The first one is anime. I also had a tie. We both had ties. Yes. We can choose. <laughs> so the anime episode, we both watched two um, different animes and mm -hmm. we watched Cowboy Bebop, which we both have enjoyed. And then there was another film, Machia, and I yes. just, I still think about that movie. Like, it, mm. it stayed with me. Like, it'll just come up in my mind out of the blue because <laughs> it was just so visually stunning. And I just love anytime we both do a thing, mm. read a book, watch a thing, and then come back to the show and get to talk about it together for the mm. first time because mm. I just love hearing what each of us took from whatever it was we were consuming. It's always interesting to see what where our thoughts diverged or what we both noticed about a thing. And the anime episode was an opportunity to do that and also for me to revisit anime, which I used to love a lot when I was younger and haven't really had a chance to watch as frequently, like not nearly as frequently as I used mm -hmm. to. So that one was really, really fun to me. And then the second one was the dream adaptations and dream casting yes. of a book. <laughs> and I just like, not to be smug, but I thought we did such a good job. <laughs> I really like we really put a lot of thought into mm. it. I mean, you did a whole Lord of the Rings recasting, <laughs> which was amazing as a side thing, no right. less. And I I just really thought that that was a fun creative exercise and it made me look at the book I was talking about, which was The Good House by Tanana Reeve Du in a much more cinematic way and it just made me think about the characters in a different way. So I don't know. Yeah, I, I just love episodes where I get a little bit more out of the thing, mm. whether it's an adaptation or a book. Like, I just like to squeeze a little bit more thought out of it and step away from, like, my usual book reports, which I also love. Right, right, totally. No, I, well, I mean, I clearly feel similarly because my tie yeah. for favorite episodes <laughs> was between the Howl's Moving Castle episode where we reread or read the book and then watched the um, Miyazaki adaptation and the Ray Bear book club, which was just so much fun to oh, do. And I loved Ray I Bear loved so freaking much. Like, I... Ugh, that I, and I don't. I just. I don't know that I would have necessarily done either of those things without the prompt, right? Like, Howl's yeah. Moving Castle. I've read that book a million times, and I had seen the movie once a very long time ago. But I was like, Ugh, I don't. That, that it didn't feel like what I wanted. Um, and rewatching it was a really interesting experience. And then, like you said, like getting to talk about it together and like hear, you know, your thoughts and like how that then influenced what I was thinking about is just such a fun thing to do. Yeah. And and same for Ray Bear. Like that one was selected by us and y'all listeners and 
like I'm obsessed now with Jordan A. Fuego. Like that series, I've read both it's books. So cool. I love them so much. Like they are just ugh, some of my favorite books that I read last year. And the book club format is just such a fun one, right? Like to get to like argue about characters and like, you know, laugh about how like I totally missed <laughs> some a really obvious plot point and like, you know, oh, yeah. that kind of <laughs> No spoilers, but like wow, that. I just totally, totally missed that. Um so yeah, it's just it's just really fun. It is. It's really fun. And I mean, obviously I love to do, like you said, the most anticipated shows, my favorites shows. I love recommending on a theme but it is really nice to do something different every now and then and like get into a different rhythm yeah I agree and I think that the nice thing the thing that I I feel as we're talking about stats for this show that I think is gonna be really helpful is just like knowing what speaks to our listeners mm-hmm. and knowing what speaks to us mm. is going to help us inform what like 2022 is going to look like because we're going to want to do the things we enjoy doing and this is giving me inspiration to think about topics we can discuss and maybe some other book club episodes yes. we can have because those have got to continue. I'm mm-hmm. really excited to do that again. Yeah. And just to like be able to shake things up, it's nice to know that, you know, people are enjoying these episodes as much as we are. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it can be, I mean, I, you and I have both have been like, oh God, what are we going to do for our next theme? Like when you've been doing a show yeah. for a long time, you don't want to feel like you're just constantly revisiting or recycling things. And, you know, sometimes it's not, your brain is just like, I'm lacking in inspiration. Um, yes. So this is another reason to love a spreadsheet, right? It's like, okay, what have we already done? What ideas does it give us? What are people interested in? It'll just, it'll just make us better going forward. It will. It Hopefully. will. And I'm excited for, yeah, I'm excited for 2022. I think that we're going to, I think that we've got some some ideas already. We, we do. We have some fun stuff cooking, so. Yeah. Yeah. So this is great. I'm really glad you actually keep track. Your spreadsheeting <laughs> skills always come through, and it's nice to see what we've been talking about, and I look forward to a whole new year of SFF. Same. And I guess that's it for our show today. SFF Yeah is sound edited by Natalie Baker. Many thanks to her for making us sound great each and every episode. Uh, you can find more recs at bookriot.com and you can find our other podcasts at bookriot.com slash listen. Thank you so much for listening last year and hopefully you'll stick around with us this year and see what's up our sleeves. You can email us at sffyeah at bookriot.com. If you have any ideas for stuff you'd like to hear about this year, please, please let us know. We would love to hear from you. And if you have a minute, review us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. It really does help people find us. And in the meantime, you can find us online. Where can they find you, Jen? You can find me on Twitter and Tumblr as Jen IRL, J-E-N-N-I-R-L, or on Instagram as I am Jen IRL. And you can find me on Instagram at S Williams. That's S-Z-A-I-N-A-B Williams. Until next time. <laughs>